This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. April 9th, which we didn't talk about yesterday on purpose, was the day that Robert E. Lee surrendered. And they said on that day, because, again, as you mentioned, the vast majority of people in the South did not own people. They did not own human beings. They may have aspired to, and the vast majority of people that died in the Civil War fighting for uh, the the South did not own human beings. Mm -hmm. They didn't become galvanized until uh, Robert E. Lee surrendered, and then there was this whole us versus them, right. South versus North, right. the whole Confederacy actually became galvanized around that flag and around mm-hmm. this notion of Southern pride and heritage. And Northern aggression. And Northern aggression, which was a campaign. Yeah. So I was, I wanted to talk about that too. You know, when, when you think about propaganda and marketing and right. the ways in which you have to categorize people, which Frederick Douglass and others fought vehemently against by, by comporting themselves a certain mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. but they use cartoonists. And I was thinking about you know the use of cartoons and mm. the use of you know newspaper uh not just the columns the the images yeah. of black people with the exaggerated lips and right. the wide the over wide white of the eyes mm-hmm. and the just the dumb look you know and and the 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 the, the feet you know bare feet right. and the watermelon and all of that in every single image on purpose. That right. was what was being disseminated to the masses right. about who we are. That's right. And Tom Burrell's book, uh, uh, Brainwash, Brainwash, Challenging the Myth of Black Inferiority, he talks about this as the Black Inferiority Campaign. It was literally a multi-agency, multi-industry, multi-century long campaign to create an image of black people that prior to that time did not exist. Right. That image was created so that white people could sleep well Saturday through Saturday, go to church on Sunday, rape, kill, murder, sell off all through the week, and be perfectly at peace with their maker and still put their foot up on the back of an 80 year old black person as their right because that black person was their footstool so south carolinians who got this land mm-hmm. um beaufort south carolina and there's a museum there um wonderful museum and shout out to the museum people yeah. <laughs> y'all, y'all, I mean, my goodness um <laughs> but they were like no you're not taking my land we've been working on this land we 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 this is our land right. and they they petitioned johnson eloquently mm-hmm. and he completely ignored them yes and um this 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 became in, in south carolina mississippi and other places the clan yeah started to rise because the freedmen's bureau under johnson went away they were there mm-hmm. militarily making sure black people got their land their rights and were protected right because there was a rash of of course violence right. and brutality right right after you know um the emancipation proclamation and organized, the, uh, organized militarily organized. militarily trained right violence so the freedmen's bureau le- left the kkk came in black codes so they said okay you freed them okay we're gonna now create laws states rights yes. local laws still to this day yes local laws limiting and reinstituting slavery. Exactly. Now, we're not going to call it slavery no, because we'll we just fought codes. a war. Right. right. When, when the war said slavery is illegal, we actually have now a 13th Amendment. So technically, we cannot enslave you. But we are going to do everything. We're going to use every tool of social power available to us to reinstitute the exact same social hierarchy that existed during slavery. I don't care what you call it. Well, Get on the your knees law, so you can be my footstool. Um, and it started in Mississippi, <gasps> of all places. Shocker. Vagrancy laws. Yeah. So that says what? If you're not working, Mm -hmm. you're now a criminal. Mm -hmm. We can arrest you. Mm -hmm. We can take your children. Yes. We can fine you, Mm -hmm. but you don't have a job. Right. So if you can't pay the fine, uh, somebody's got to pay it. Somebody's got to pay that bill. Right. So you have to now work off this fine. Right. Back in the fields. Right. Back here. Go. 
yep, you got to work. You got to work this off. Oh, and matter of fact, we'll take your child. Your child will take the child as an apprentice and we'll keep them and we'll teach them how and to they'll, they'll be. they'll just live here. Right. In my house. Right. The big house. Right. And yeah. they'll do the chamber pot thing and they'll mm-hmm. cook and clean mm-hmm. and do all the other yeah. things that we need done. Yeah. So that was literally what happened right after that. Black laws, black codes. And it started, it was legal. Yeah. So vagrancy laws. So then every, this was the law. Every black person had to sign a contract with a white person for the year. Right. If you had, if you did not sign a contract, you were in violation of a vagrancy law. Right. Now, so we got to think about this. Talk four, about that. Four million people have just been removed from slave status. So the war was yesterday. We were enslaved yesterday. Today, the war is over. We're no longer enslaved. They passed this 13th Amendment. Slavery is no longer legal. Let's say next week you're in Mississippi and they don't pass these codes, these black codes, which say if you have not signed a contract, contracts imply the ability to read. Signature implies the ability to write. Uh, employment implies the ability to negotiate for labor, right? So if I'm going to take this job, it's because this job is going to pay me enough, right? None of those things were in readily were readily available at that time. Black people were still learning how to read after having been forbidden for it from it for by threat of death, uh, upon pain of death. They are learning how to read rapidly because what we did in that brief period of Reconstruction when it comes to literacy rates, voter registration rates was phenomenal. But at this point, we're still, we just got off the plantation last week, Karen. It's only, it ain't even been a full week. They got these new laws in place that say, I have to have a contract with a white person. How many white people do I know? How many white people have I actually had contact with other than the people who owned me last week? How am I going to introduce myself to a new white person and ask for a contract that is going to be fair and is going to allow me to be able to pay? What is pay? What does it mean to be paid, paid for work? I've never been paid for work. How do I collect a paycheck? Are, is it cash? What, how, what is a cash denomination? How much can I buy with a nickel, a penny? I've never had money. What is a bank account? Can I get a bank account if you're going to pay me in a note? Where do I get my note cash? Is the teller going to give me the right amount of money for the amount that you wrote on here? Am I gonna? Is there going to be fees taken that I don't know about? Because I just was owned from the time I was conceived by either my, my loving parents or the rapist's parent who conceived me by force what are these things but i gotta have this figured out by tonight because the law goes into effect tomorrow oh it's morning we're awake and i don't have this contract there's a knock at my door hi we are here from the local constable's office and we just want to make sure that you have all your contracting papers in order so that you too can walk about freely oh you don't have contracting papers you haven't contracted with a white person yet well sir ma'am and children, I hate to tell you, but you are in violation of Black Code 101, which says you cannot be in this state unemployed as a black. So we're going to take you down to the courthouse because now you're in violation. This is a fine of like $500. So you can't pay this fine. We're going to take you to jail. You know what? Mr. Smith down the road there, he owns that. He's going to pay this fine. And because he's going to pay this fine, well, somebody's got to pay him back. You're going to work it off. So I know Mr. Smith owned you last week when you were free. I hope you enjoyed this little week of freedom because you're going back to (laughs) Mr. Smith. You can even probably stay in the same shack, assuming that damn Union Army didn't destroy all the property on their way through. How's your freedom? And that happened. That happened. And so it's amazing that we're here, you and I sitting here having this conversation. It really I feel like is. I'm having an out-of-body out experience as I'm talking to you because mm. that we're here is nothing short of a miracle. I don't yeah. even understand it. Yeah. I don't understand how people endured the brutality because the KKK had the license to go and just indiscriminately rape, yes, kill, whip, mm-hmm. all of the things that the patrollers were doing during 
uh, you know, the fugitive slave laws right. going on. Right. They were the ones enforcing these black codes by force. It was just a new uniform. Many of these people yeah. were the exact same. The same way that Johnson was letting the exact same people who ran, who rebelled and ran the Confederacy to come back into Congress in their same positions in the in the government. These were the same people. The KKK was the armed resistance of white supremacy. It was the police chief. It was the dentist. It was the doctor. It was the teacher. That was a crazy thing. The lady was like, I knew Mr. So-and-so right. just shot my husband in the back of the head. Right. They, they knew. He owned the grocery store where right. I used to buy eggs. Right. And he shot my husband in, the, in, back the, the, in the back of the head. So that was reality. But what was crazy, it was because of the brutality much like what happened in the 60s when we yeah. got to see on television, Iron the Prize documents all of this. Mm-hmm. The brutality when Congress came back in mm-hmm. was the catalyst to the 14th Amendment. Right. Because of the brutality and, and the, the they had people testify. People right. brave. You want to talk about courage? Courage to know what you're confronting and yet you still go to Washington and you testify against all the brutality that you witnessed. Right. And it was the brutality that that propelled Thaddeus Stevens and other Republicans in Congress to push forth not just the 14th Amendment, mm-hmm. uh, but also to ignore all of those Congress people that were seated from the South right. that Johnson had made deals with. That was nice. Wasn't that beautiful? That was nice. Because I didn't know that this was even a case. So that means today this is still the case that Congress cannot mm-hmm. acknowledge someone who was put into office if they all. That's what happened with the situation in North Carolina. When they there was the district, the congressional district, and I can't remember which one it is, but and this was in the most recent election, twenty sixteen. Yes, uh, no, twenty eighteen. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They did not seat the representative from North Carolina because he was in a district where he had literally hired someone who was guilty of violating just about every voter protection rule and reform that was out there. Um, and I think Smith is trying to give me the name. The ninth district. The ninth district. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, and and they had they that person has not been seated because of how he came into office power yeah congress has a lot of power they do when they Uh, use it when they use it Mm -hmm. so we the people have to force them to apparently but this set off then once those congress people weren't seated the next election cycle black people had the right to vote and this was the most poignant for me 80 percent now these are people couldn't read write, had to walk 25 this when you talk about your meetings with the census yeah they had to work take off saturday walk 25 miles right. to have a meeting, a political meeting right. about what to do. Mm-hmm. It was that important. Yeah, People walk 25 miles to meet to talk about what to do politically. And 80% of the eligible people actually voted. Right. So much so that Ulysses S. Grant, who I think won by like 100 or 200,000 mm-hmm. votes, credits his victory that presidential election yeah. to those 800,000 black men, because right. women couldn't vote still, right. black or otherwise, 800,000 men that actually put their life and limb on the line because they were killing people mm-hmm. for even the audacity. Right. There was one part in the in the documentary where they talk about how they had to hide out in the woods. They would spend the night to, in the woods to, to see, vote to vote because they had to get into the voting booth when there was as few white people as possible because they knew they could be killed. So they had to be able to get in, vote, and get out. And no one could know where they were coming from, where they lived. So they couldn't come from their house. They had to spend the night in the woods. To vote. To vote. Uh, let me correct myself. The 800,000, of the 800,000, 500,000 actually cast a vote. So that was uh, super important. But that 800,000 registered? Yes. Come on now. 80%. Come on now. So what are we doing today? Because 
We have elections where 20% show up for local elections that are super important that will determine the water that you drink. Hey, Flint, yeah. that will determine the kind of infrastructure that ha- your schools. We don't even show up for our mayoral elections. Right. I think the last Chicago election, it wasn't more than 30% of people mm-hmm. that showed up. Now, you know, congrats to Lori Lightfoot or whatever. Mm-hmm. but And her immediate focus on Jesse Smollett yes, is, is tells you a lot. A lot. But not even 50 percent we couldn't get 50 percent to right. show up for something right. that was so important on the heels of laquan mcdonald i'm just on the looking, hills of freaking Ram Emanuel. are come you on. serious come on so i'm just saying like and it's not that people died so that we can do it it's that there was power if people were in bondage for 250 years understood the importance of the vote to the point that they sent how many people to congress that very next year, yeah. Robert Smalls, the first one from Beaufort, South Carolina, mm-hmm. who commandeered a Confederate slave ship and got himself out of slavery, posing as a captain, put on a top hat, got on a slave or got on a ship, commandeered it, took it out of enemy and, and, and sailed it. What kind of wherewithal? Sailed it into Union territory, got off that ship and claimed his own freedom, mm-hmm. was the first person in Congress born in a shack, went back later, mm-hmm. bought the shack he was born into slavery in. And had and sat in in Congress, got his own place, his yeah. seat in Congress, and ended up not just in the House but in the Senate. Robert Smalls. They in, interviewed his grandson. Mm-hmm. Was it his great grandson? Oh, it's Kip great. Gates. It was yeah. it was amazing. Hiram Revels, who you and I, we, we, <laughs> we had the so. black 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 <laughs> trivia quiz. It was one of the questions that uh, one of the early questions. Yeah. I don't even know if it made the cut. Me either. Um, but yeah, uh, Senate. He was in the Senate after him, 1870, mm-hmm. followed by Joseph Ramey, South Carolina, December. Um, who um, again? This is in 14 black men in Congress. BK Bruce Senate um this this was important this was important yeah and it, why isn't it important today <laughs>